Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. In this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge to the show. Dr. Roseanne is a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health, and Dr. Roseanne & Associates. She is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Forbes magazine called her a thought leader in children's mental health. Her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions such as ADHD, anxiety, mood, autism, learning disabilities, Lyme's, and PANS and PANDAS, using proven holistic therapies such as neurofeedback, biofeedback, and psychotherapy. Dr. Roseanne has been featured on dozens of media outlets, including Fox, CBS, NBC, Forbes, Parents, and the New York Times. In this episode, we're focusing on something called failure to launch. You may have heard me mention that term in previous episodes, but if you aren't familiar with it, in short, it applies to those in their teenage years all the way through their early 30s, who, for different reasons, typically mental health or medical, don't launch into the world of adulthood. During our conversation, Dr. Roseanne shares some of the primary drivers for failure to launch, how to recognize signs of failure to launch in your teens and young adults before it becomes an issue, and the most important things you can do as a parent to help get your child back on track. Dr. Roseanne has decades of experience and wisdom on this topic, and it's a must-listen for parents of all teens and young adults. Let's get started. Hi, Roseanne. Thanks so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. I am so looking forward to this conversation, Betsy. I'm looking forward to it too. I think this is a topic that is super important and that so many parents are struggling with, and we're going to get right to it. But before we do that, would you take a minute or two and just give a quick intro of who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, My name is Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, and I am an integrative and pediatric mental health expert. I have been working with kids, teens, and their families for, this is my 30th year, Um, and I really only use proven holistic therapies to help reduce and reverse mental health symptoms. And I have been helping, uh, you know, thousands of families over these 30 years. And I use nutrition, biofeedback, neurofeedback, and very specific types of psychotherapy um, to help them. That is so great. I mean, I think we're all struggling with challenges right now, especially our kids in the world that we live in. Um, But let's talk about the big topic, failure to launch. And I've talked about this on other episodes with other guests, but can we take it from the beginning? Can you kind of, for those who aren't familiar with it, can you kind of give a definition and kind of where it all starts? Yeah. So, you know, failure to launch is a term that sort of started um, in the last 10 or 15 years with young adults, and that includes teenagers, but also people all the way up until their early 30s, who for different reasons, typically mental health and medical, don't launch into the world of adulthood. And that means 
regular employment um, and going to school. And sometimes they attempt to launch and they don't make it and they go back home. Um, and that's where most of these young adults, and there's definitely a disproportionate amount that are male, and we'll talk about that, um, that are that are home and essentially stuck, behaviorally stru- stuck. Um, and this is really a incredibly difficult situation um, for families, for the kids, uh, lots of friction, lots of difficulties with, you know, mismatch expectations and nobody knows where to go. Um, and it's a crisis in the United States. And one third of people ages 18 to 34 still live with their parents. That doesn't mean they're all failure to launch. Yep. One third of, yeah, shocking, wow. right? Betsy's wow. got her mouth hanging open. You can't yeah. see her. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and some of those are for financial reasons and they're working and employed and going to school, absolutely, or supporting their parents by living there and, you know, the, those kind of things. But um, it is an increasing issue. I know, you know, in my Richfield, Connecticut Center, we work with people in person and virtually. It is one of the top five reasons people call my center. And we get a lot of calls. Um, and it was so much of an issue that we actually had to create a program to support not just the kid, because the kid gets identified, um, but the family. And what could the family do about it? Because this really is a situation where people are frustrated and parents get angry. And, you know, we think in whatever generation you are, we we have it certainly my generation, you know, for anybody who's born, you know, in the 60s and 70s, um, and even into the early 80s, you know, you really have an expectation that you get a job, thing will things will fall into place. You go to college, things will fall into place. So you get a kid who's stuck, what do parents say? Right, right. Get a job. Go right. to community college, do something. And then what happens is there's psychological issues, uh, there's behavioral issues, and it people just get stuck. And it gets harder, you know, to get out of that. And so that's essentially where it is, where somebody's a young adult, there's there's mental health or medical issues, and they are unable to launch into the adult world. So much to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to start. So as a parent of two teens, yep. um, you know, we tend, we as parents tend to label kids lazy, unmotivated, you know, why don't they have any initiative? Um, and I think what you're talking about for a lot of kids and teens and young adults is, is that, right? Some of them are unmotivated for yeah. just the sake of unmotivated, but others are are struggling with failure to launch. So how do you know the difference, right, that between a young adult or a young person who has failure to launch issues versus somebody who's just lacking sheer motivation? What a great question. And if we even back that up further, if you had asked me this question a year ago, Betsy, I would have given you a different answer than I'm going to give you right now. Because the top two things that everybody is asking me about, every reporter, every parent, um, every interview I'm doing, they're all asking me, why is everybody right now, 2021, why are they so unmotivated and unfocused right now? And we are long in this pandemic and the I'm seeing kids, uh, teens, college kids 
struggle with motivation when they've never struggled with motivation before in their life. So I want to be fair and not make everybody feel like, okay, my kid's lazy or whatnot. And the reason why that is, is because this is hard what we're going through. And we're not moving. We're not getting up physically and moving. Um, We're sitting as you and I discussed for long periods of time doing Zoom meetings. Yep. And um, and so and schools disconnected as well as we're not getting out and we're not doing we're not doing as much fun stuff, right? And mm-hmm. you know, so that's all really usurping everyone's focus and motivation, right? So if your kid is struggling with focus and motivation, this is the same answer I would have said a year ago. Let's uh, let's look at why. Right. So is it a clinical issue? Is this somebody with executive functioning issues? Is this somebody with executive functioning issues related to ADD or anxiety or OCD? Why are they unmotivated? Right. Um, And and I don't want to put kids that aren't straight A students in the I'm not motivated. You can have a motivated kid who's living a really great life, who's a B and C student. And don't freak out about that. That's okay. It may not be feel okay in 2021, but I'm going to tell you it was okay in the 1980s. Well, and conversely, can you say the same about you could have a straight A student who's unmotivated? You can have, I mean, listen, you can have a straight A student who's motivated academically and going to have difficulties with motivation in their other areas of their other lives. Um, and I say this all the time, we shouldn't use grades as a benchmark of mental health. Right. And that's a a big fault in our culture and a big reason why people don't get help. So, you know, so really is a kid who's unmated, unmotivated is the failure to launch. Right. Well, really, have they tried launching is the question. And then they're struggling. Right. So if right, nobody is it always a behavioral issue? Is it always intentful that somebody's not motivated? I mean, nobody wants to struggle with remembering to bring their laundry down or um, turn their homework in in on time or flush the toilet. These are my top complaints that parents have to me when they come in, right? And it's that they are, for whatever reason, not connected to their environment. And, And also sometimes people start in the case of you know, often kids with failure to launch, right? They they top issues I see Betsy as as some of the clinical issues driving their difficulties with launching. Oh, most of the time, always anxiety, um, and could be social anxiety or traditional generalized anxiety, uh, which then these things can morph into OCD. I see a high proportion of kids who are uh, high functioning on the autistic spectrum, and then I have a lot of kids who have medical issues, particularly Lyme disease and pans and pandas. Um, So, you know, there's these issues that are getting in the way. And what happens is they want to do things and then they're afraid. And so then they get analysis paralysis where they're afraid to move forward and they get stuck. And then they are less likely to move forward because of fear. And, and then a shame cycle happens. So they get ashamed and then their, that shame continues to uh, impact the, their behavior, that they're not taking action. And then often arguing happens at home because particularly many of these failure to launch kids 
often are pretty good students. Like they could have been okay students. Like some of my students that are failure launch were straight A students and go into top colleges, including Ivy League schools. Um, I have somebody right now who's accepted to multiple Ivy League schools and, you know, uh, struggling to launch. So we shouldn't form an opinion, you know, that often these kids, my experience is some of these kids had known issues, were receiving a lot of supports in school, and parents didn't understand how much support they were getting. So the kid tries to launch without that intensity support. That's one grouping. But often these kids are kids that did pretty well. And then they go and 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 uh, it's a very stressful experience. The underlying med- mental health conditions really surface because they're on their own. Um, there's a lot of other pressures, particularly social pressures. Um, and, and they don't make it or they don't even get there. So how, as a parent, I think this is like a two pronged question. How do you identify those things? If, Cause if your kid's not fessing up, right. Not saying, mom, I'm feeling really anxious or I'm having yeah. this, whatever. How do, as a parent, do you see that and identify that early? And then how do you help? I don't want to say resolve it, but help them get ready to launch. Yeah. So here's something that's really surprising to a lot of parents. So, you know, we can only connect the dots looking back. We can't connect the dots looking forward. So I am often with parents when they're connecting the dots and they don't understand what those symptoms are. And a very startling statistic is that it takes 11 years from the onset of a behavioral onset of a mental health issue for a person to get appropriate help. Yeah. Also hanging her mouth open to Betsy, but 11 years. (laughs) years, And that's according to NAMI 2019. And I'm going to tell you that's very accurate because by the time people get to me and I'm somebody who, you know, deals with stuff, but they've gone to a lot of people and they're like, "Ah, it's not going to work. And somebody's like, you got to go see Dr. Bro. Um, (laughs) And that's been me right from the get-go is that's the kind of client I got. And I love that because I if people if people do the work and they follow what I ask them to do, which is all evidence-based, they get better. They don't do the work. You have to change behaviors, right? right? So I'm all about um, calming the nervous system with brain-based mm-hmm. tools um, and then teaching. And when you do that together, it's pretty magical. You try to do that apart, it doesn't happen. So um, so people come to me having tried medications and therapies and this and that, and they're like, this isn't going to work. And, and they do all these things and people just don't get the right kind of help. And it takes that long. It's not, it's not, not unusual. It's really the standard by the time people get to me. So when they look back, The problem is some parents knew something was going on, right? And they go and ask for help. And then what do people do? They go, well, he or she is a straight A student. So schools then say, doing fine. You talk to the doctor. The doctor says, well, it's a straight A student. Is anybody telling you they're concerned? And and so then the parents go, okay, this is what I hear day in and out. And then you'll hear things like, they always had stomach aches, right? So these are the symptoms. They always had stomach aches. They had sleep problems. They had constipation. Um, they had headaches. They were a cyclical vomiter. I hear this all the time with very high level kids. And then parents are like, oh my God, I can't believe it. They're afraid to try new things. They have nightmares. 
And they might be incredibly shy. They might be withdrawn. You start to hear that these things are there. But again, when you go to look for help, the kid doesn't recognize they're anxious. Sometimes they do. But again, we then rely on that. So so a lot of times, if I have a really attuned parent who then is that same parent who was asking for help and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to go and get a therapist or I'm going to go get somebody to help my kid or, or I'm going to make dietary changes or I'm going to get some supplements to help ease anxiety or try some neurofeedback. I get a lot of really high level kids whose parents are like, this kid is not like my other kids. He's a straight A kid, but he's not social. And clearly there's anxiety there. Like they behaviorally wring their hands or complain of like, you know, chest tightening or some of some kind of symptom that it's like, it's got to be stress. And they'll do these things, these types work with me and do these kind of treatments and they get to see the unfolding of really who this person is. It's sort of like a diamond in the rough, but that's just not the norm. The norm is I've gotten the kid and he's at a, you know, a $70,000 a year college and he's flunking out, but he was a straight A student. That's pretty common is what's happening. And then you get a kid who's so freaked out and then you get parents who are pretty PO'd um, because they're like, I made this investment, right? Right, right. Um, Understood. That's a whole other topic of conversation spending that kind of money on school. But (laughs) yeah, well, preaching to the, you know, high school hamster wheel, but, but you know, that you know, that you mentioned that. So I talk a lot about alternative paths on the podcast, right? Yeah. So college may be right for your kid or it may not be. Absolutely. I want to do a study of of the kids who are are really struggling in college. I mean, obviously, some are mental health related, some are academic related, but I'd, I'd love to see the numbers of the kids who are not successful and what kind of exploration they did before their parents wrote that $70,000 paycheck. Because- and we talk about this, Jay and I talk about this in our Facebook group, you know, career before college, where college is not the end point. College is the road to the end point. Absolutely. And I wonder if of a lot of the people you talk to or the kids you talk yeah. to, young adults, how many of them had a plan going into college or just went because that was the thing to do? Um, I'm going to tell you that most kids that I see, and I see all kinds of kids, you know, um, yes, I see kids in crisis, but I also see kids that, you know, are somewhere in this journey, right? And they just might be stressed that most kids don't have a plan, right? Mm -hmm. They're following the herd Mm -hmm. and they're like, I must go to school. And, you know, I live in an affluent area and God forbid you take an alternative path here. You know what I mean? God forbid you don't even go one of the top schools, right? You know, it's terrible for these kids. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think it's really interesting in this time of COVID that education is alternative right now, (laughs) that people are thinking of different times. I actually have an 18 year old who, who's doing a gap year because she was like, I'm not going to college. I can be in my dorm and do virtual classes and how grateful am I? Cause she's awesome. And, um, she's so fantastic, but you know, I think that these kids are under extraordinary pressure. I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, you know, was also a certified school psychologist did psycho ed evals and, and, um, neuropsych testing for 22 years. So I really have spent a lot of time in schools and working with kids who learn differently Um, who might have attention issues. And by the way, kids who have learning disabilities and ADHD have a higher IQ than normal. So they are super bright. 
and you know what's great about those kids when we get them early and we really work with them to cultivate their passions these are kids that do awesome in school um when we know there's an issue and we help guide them but yeah kids are going and um and even on the employer side betsy I get so many people who who are trying to get a part-time job from with me who went to some fancy dancy Ivy League school who's like totally in debt um mm-hmm. trying to get a part-time job and it just so blows my mind that people wouldn't they have to look at education as an investment and when you invest you don't blindly invest you look at your stocks right the right. same thing with education, right? Yep. So I think people are really getting caught up in that. And I very much believe in, you know, people doing different forms of education. And my 16-year-old, there is no plans to go to college for him. He needs to do something else. So, you know, he's a tech person and that's what he's going to do. And that's fine. We're totally supportive of that. And that's me, Dr. Roseanne, three graduate degrees. <laughs> right, right. But it's it's a culture shift, if I had a nickel for every time I had this conversation, but oh, yeah, it, it's our society says you want to be successful, you need a college degree. I know, yeah. and it's so not for some that's true, right? You want to be a doctor, like exactly. you. You want to be an attorney, go yeah. to college, right? Yeah. yeah, and you certain things you need licenses and certifications, and there's a there's a process for that, and that's okay. There was no way for me to do what I'm doing without having an advanced degree. And uh, that's okay. You know what I mean? That's all right. If I wanted to, to do something else, then I, I didn't, maybe I took a different path. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you feel like the parents or the the young adults that you work with, do you feel like some of their stress and anxiety is related to not meeting expectations of their parents, teachers, friends, society? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's so just insane to me is that, you know, I get these, I often get um, teenagers and college kids uh, because they've had a, a horrible reaction to psychiatric medication. It is much more common for me to have a teenager or a young adult who ha- has had a terrible reaction to a psychiatric medication by 20 times at least than it is for me to have had somebody who didn't, okay? And so I will get these kids who have been on, I don't know how many meds, and they're having everything from psychosis to suicidal ideation to to horrible things, right? Cardiac problems. And, you know, every one of them will tell me that the majority of their friends is on some kind of psychiatric medication because they need to keep up. Hmm. How unbelievably sad that is for them. That's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And it's like, you know, become, at least in the region, I know I work with people all over and there's regional issues, right? So, so we live in this greater New York area, Connecticut, where it's like ground zero for intensity, 
right? Mm-hmm. The financial people are all here and, you know, there's a lot of business stuff and it, it's really a hub. And so, um, and, and, you know, I think there's lots of areas in the country where people, there's an intensity and, um, around them. Right. And, you know, I just think they're missing out. Like they don't get to have the same, I mean, pre COVID for sure too, they're just not having fun, you know, because they're just, it's like hamster wheel, right? Mm-hmm. Work, 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 work. Cause you got to go to college. They don't even know what they want to do. Right. They get these ideas of what they want to do handed to them. And there definitely needs to be more exploration and more um, internships and a sense of what you want to do. Yeah. And the statistics show, you know, kids, it's like 80% of kids will change their major at least once in college. Some will change it up to six times. Wow. Mind blowing to me. And isn't like, isn't it that 40% of college freshmen leave their school? Isn't it some insane amount of college kids leave a transfer? Yep. They'll either transfer to another school or they'll go to a community college or, yeah, yeah. or leave. Yeah. And I, I do, you know, I, I know I'm on my soapbox, but I really just feel like if we as a society spent more time helping our kids figure out how they're wired, who they are, not picking a career for the rest of their life, because nobody right now is picking a career for the rest of their life, but just having, you know, a compass, knowing what direction they're headed in before they make that huge investment. But I'm a little bit off track. But But don't you think though, no, you're not. But don't you think whether it's failure to launch or just a typical kid, I mean, it's really about kids having self-awareness, right? So we know the research says that when you're self-aware, it is tied to greater happiness and feelings of well-being in your lifetime. And so if we back it up, you know, why, why are there so many failure launch kids? Why are there so many kids with mental health issues? I mean, it's a crisis, you know, 54.2% of kids, 2011 research, 10 year old research says 54.2% of kids have a physical or mental health problem in the United States. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot of reasons why, um, bad nutrition, epigenetics, you know, high stress, but, parenting is part of this because we are not parenting for autonomy. And when we parent with autonomy and independence in mind, our kids become more self-confident and self-aware. It also means they will say no to us, which is what we want. You may not like that, but my kids say no. I have to warn anytime we've ever had a babysitter, listen, my kids will say no to you. And let me tell you why. And they're going to talk to you. They're going to be like, I am saying no because... And they're going to have a conversation because I was raised to be very independent and I was raised to say no. And it was one of, it's one of the greatest gifts that my Italian immigrant entrepreneurial parents taught me. And boy, do I make decisions easily because I know exactly what feels right. And I only do what I love and that feels authentic and right to me. And boy, was it, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. It just was like so easy, so easy, so easy for me decision-wise. Like, it, um, And it really stemmed with having a sense of autonomy and being able to make choices for myself. And, you know, we're helicoptering our kids. So these kids are having a hard time launching because we're like, did you get your bag? Did you do this? Did you do that? And then they go off. <laughs> they don't remember. They don't know how to do anything. And that is a part of it. 
Amen to all of that. Amen. Testify. <laughs> that is so on the money. So Autonomy, the money. independence, a sense of agency, all that. And, you know, I'm a parent of teens. I'm guilty. I'm a work in progress, but. I mean, listen, we got to be kind to ourselves. This is tough times right now, you yeah. know, yeah. and it's hard to box the system. And, you know, people will give you your two cents about X, Y, and Z and how you parent and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It makes it easy for us as adults to know who our friends are and um, also to put bumpers on boundaries around who, who we hang out with. But, you know, the, the failure to launch kid, this is all part of where it, the kindling starts, right? Mm. But then they start to show mental health issues. All these kids had some level of a, a mental health issue that either was ignored, uh, was undiscovered, or improperly addressed. And then people in our generation, again, I'll do deep, deep therapeutic work. Like people pre-pandemic would fly out and we would do this work for two straight weeks. Two weeks every day it was like we cocoon you, break you down. If I didn't get a parent crying by day three, I wasn't doing my job. And we would just work it all up like a good cry, like a like a aha moment. We're going right. You know, we're going to make it all better kind of cry and then just build that. And, and no matter what kind of work we did, you get parents like a little bit outside of the program and they're like, when is he going back to school? When is he doing this? And I was like, hold on. You, you, you got, let's talk about expectations, right? So we can't always do things on the timeline of what, what we think they, you know, you just think we have to meet people where they're at. And these are kids. You can still be 25 years old and somebody's kid. Um, you know, I worked with a failure to launch person that was 34 years old and made dramatic success. And a big part of the problem was his parents were, oh my God, the nicest people ever, but they were enabling and helicoptering him in a way that had never seen. And, you know, to pull those tangles out was a lot of work and a lot of handholding and they were willing to do it. But again, you would get to a certain point and they'd be like, why doesn't he have a job? You know? And, and it was like, okay, he hasn't been working for this long. Let's break down the steps of what it's going to happen. So realistic expectations and then supporting those micro steps. Everybody wants everything yesterday it didn't happen overnight. It's not going to be fixed overnight. And, and it requires, these kids require therapeutic care. That's what they require. And families need help with navigating how they communicate. It's not just the kid. It's a family systems issue at that point. Not to say you're bad parents. It just means you need help breaking those habits that you're all stuck in. Mm, That's great advice. So I could go on all afternoon with you, but um, so before we go, how about some tips, actionable steps for parents who might be listening to this thinking, I wonder if this is an issue in my family? Yeah. So I would say the first tip that's the most important tip is communication and relationships always break down with mismatched expectations. That's, that's exactly. So you have an expectation, your kid has an expectation and they are very off from each other and you're both frustrated with each other. So starting with having a conversation when you're not angry, right. Um, And in a place and a time that works for both of you, that's another part of this. And then saying what, you know, what is it that you want? This is what I want. What can we do? And making a plan. And, and if you're that stuck, you have to have a therapist. 
you, you have to. This You should stop trying to do this on your own. Therapists are everywhere. You can have a teletherapist. And, and starting there is a really, really important part. And then I would say that stop, visualize what you want to happen. Hopefully your child is or young adult is visualizing what they want to have happen. But look at the micro steps. So this is one of the biggest problems I see in failure to launch parents is they're not celebrating the little steps towards the big goal and know that this is going to take some time and know you can't be like people are like, how many weeks is this going to take? I don't know, but it's been going on a long time. So just have realistic expectations, celebrate those little steps and really focus on communication. Um, and, And you may say I am communicating, but you may be communicating at and not with. And that's really important. Oh, that is so valuable. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, it's tough when your kid is stuck and yeah. you're stuck. It's, it's very scary. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I joke all the time. I don't want my kids living on my couch for the rest of their lives. But I know that a lot of people struggle with their kids, you know, not, not launching. So it's oh. a very real issue across America. It yeah. really, really is. Yeah. And just know that your kid isn't lazy. Something is going on behind it and you can get help. Like I want people to know there's hope, but it's Mm going to take some work and there isn't a pill that's going to fix it. This isn't a neat, you know, your kid doesn't need a psychiatric medication. You need behavioral support to break habits, address fears and work towards those goals that you all agree on, not just your goals as a parent. Right. Right. Wouldn't that be nice if it could just be all about it? Yeah. And maybe, and maybe it is a, you know, sometimes we work with kids and they take a year or two and they're working and then they decide, you know what? I feel like I want to go and study this. That's great. Right. Wonderful. Awesome. Love it. You know, but you know, a mental health issue is needs, needs professional help and, and there's no way around that. And, And people should be, feel grateful that there's so much support out there in the world. Yeah. This has been so, so helpful. I'm so grateful that you spent time with me today. So I know people are going to want to learn more about you and follow you and find you. Um, Let's talk about where they can find you and follow you. Yeah. Well, first of all, I have a bonus for people. It's teletherapy toolkit bonus. And it is um, on a mission to help um, parents of all age, kids of all ages to help their kids cope better. So I have a hundred coping statements um, that parents can use and you can go to teletherapytoolkitbonus.com and download them and start using them immediately um, to cue your kids and talk to them a little differently so that they can be more independent. And that's what really builds resilience. And I say this all the time, little waves create big waves. So if these are the kind of things that just create a lot of power and change, it's it's amazing when you do that. Um, you can go to www.drrosanne.com and you can look at my website. You can follow me. I'm on YouTube, Dr. Roseanne, TikTok, Dr. Roseanne, uh, most of my, and Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge and some of my other media because Dr. Roseanne was already taken. Oh, I can't believe it. Um, Well, I'm going to put all these links in the show notes and communicate that through my social media so people can find you. And thank you for that bonus. That's amazing. I'm going to download that myself. 
<laughs> it is pretty cool. People wind up leaving me voice messages, hosts and stuff like I'm using it right away. Yeah. So yeah. It's actually something I, as a therapist, took like compiled over 10 years and would give to different people um, and then just keep adding to it. And, um, you know, we need this. We yeah. need this during this time. And, um, you know, you just little shifts can make these nice little changes and brings the stress level down for everybody. And we need to do that for ourselves right now. Yeah, we could sure use that. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for the work that you do and for sharing all of this information and insight. I, I really appreciate you being here. Well, I'm so glad we're here. And if anybody's a failure to launch parent, you know, just take one step towards making that change for both of you. And it really can happen. I just love Dr. Roseanne's passion and enthusiasm. So many young people are struggling right now, and whether it's failure to launch or something else, we just want to be able to help our kids. As Dr. Roseanne said, it may very well be something we are not equipped to address, and we may need to seek professional help. Either way, I loved her advice, and I think it bears repeating here. Number one, your kid isn't lazy. I've actually heard several of my previous podcast guests say the same thing. What may appear to be laziness is very likely a sign of something else going on beneath the surface. Number two, communication is key. Isn't this true in general for all of our interactions with our teens and young adults? It's not always easy to get them talking, but we need to keep trying to get them to open up and share what's going on. If you have even the smallest inkling that your child is struggling with failure to launch or an undiagnosed challenge, try to get them to open up to you as soon as possible. Number three, have realistic expectations and encourage your teen to do the same. Try to get on the same page so you both know what those expectations are so there won't be any confusion or disagreements later. Number four, celebrate the little steps toward the big goals. How often do we see our kids making small steps toward progress or achieving little wins along the way, but we don't say anything or do anything to acknowledge it? I, for one, need some work in this area. And number five, support is available. Don't be afraid or embarrassed to reach out to a professional. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, for making time for me. We need to have more of these tough conversations about mental health and other challenges that our kids are facing. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here, and I'd be grateful if you would follow or subscribe to the High School Hamster Wheel podcast in your favorite podcast player. I welcome your feedback and would love to hear any ideas you have for future episodes. All links and references mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com slash eight zero. Be sure to follow the High School Hamster Wheel podcast on Facebook and join me and my co-host Jay Dusold in our Life After 12th Facebook group, where we provide support and encouragement for parents of career-confused teens and 20-somethings. That wraps it up for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. 
That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together.